Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe. Let's help each other feel less alone, let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. Welcome back to the potty, everyone. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury, and this is episode number 16. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited, so excited to bring you this week's episode. Um, Before we get into it, if you find this episode valuable, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you never miss out and hit the five star and leave me a review. That really helps support me in my little podcast and my little business. And if you feel called to, I'm now on Patreon, so you can go to patreon.com forward slash the tired mummy. And I've got all different packages there that you can choose from to become a member and you get uh, all different types of goodies that are not going to be on the podcast. So let's get into today's episode. I'm interviewing B uh, from Core and Flora Store. B is a midwife, personal trainer, wife, and mother. She's also a published author. Uh, her biggest passion is helping women learn to use their bodies and minds to their greatest ability in all aspects of life. I absolutely loved this conversation, and I think you will too. All right, let's get started. Well, welcome to the podcast, B. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know it's going to be so epic. So can you please kick things off for our listeners and let them know a little bit about you and what's one piece of parenting advice you wish you'd never listen to? Oh, one piece I wish I'd never listened to. Um, 
I guess it, it would probably, I mean, the first thing that comes to my head is sleep. I know I didn't introduce myself, but that kind of question, I was like, oh, it would be around sleep that my baby had to sleep in a cot and it had to sleep through the night um, because that standard and that expectation just set me up to fail and made me think that I was failing and that I was the only one that was failing. Um, And so many people, like, you know, tell you that that's what's meant to happen so um yeah I guess that's it and hi I'm B <laughs> I was like I'm a priority person right so like that felt like the top priority <laughs> to answer that question uh I'm a midwife I'm a core and pelvic floor specialist I'm a mummer of two boys and I am a lover I have a husband friend uh who's the most epic human in the entire world and I hated him very, very much for the first couple of years of my parenting journey. And now I love him again. Uh, I love him probably even more. So yeah, I uh, came to where I am. I'm right now. I run core and pelvic floor programs online and um, I do lots of birth trauma debriefs and birth preparation chats. And I speak at conferences and uh, we have an online shop and I do workouts, live workouts. I don't even know who I am anymore. How are you even doing all of that? I mean, just before we recorded, I was like, I'm so tired. We just did an X-Ray Expo in Sydney and I've never been to an expo before, let alone do one. And it has zapped me. And then I'm going to Melbourne on Friday to run workshops. Um, And I ran some live classes yesterday and today. And I'm like, I just feel like I'm so depleted. Like I like turn up to the classes and I'm like, oh, (laughs) connect to your pelvic floor and core if you've got one, if it's there. It's still there. But yeah, so you're getting a very, very tired version of me, which feels very appropriate for the Tired Mummy podcast. So appropriate. (laughs) Love it. We're all tired here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's just, there's just not enough sleep. And then when we finally get to sleep, we're going to be like those old people that get up at five o'clock and they're like, "Hmm, I just wake up at five o'clock every day and I have nowhere near as much to do. (laughs) So it's people with little people. I'm like, all you five o'clock people come to my house and do some shit so I don't have to do it. I'm sure they've got stuff to do. That's really unfair to say that. But like I was at Kmart the other day and there was a woman like fully dressed, hair, makeup, retired, shopping at 8am. And I was like, if that's what I've got to look forward to. (laughs) What does she do at 10am? Like what time did you get up? But you're so programmed by that. Like, my mom's the same. She's like, oh, I've been up since 5 a.m. Like, what the hell for? <laughs> Probably because I got her up at 5 a.m. No, I didn't. I slept through the night. I was a magical baby. So she tells me. Oh, they forget, um, don't they? they? I think they do, but it was so different back then. Like, my sister-in-law, you know, often, like, her kids are, like, 10 years older than mine. And parenting was so different then because smartphones weren't out, you know? Like... I'm not saying kids didn't wake up, but just parenting and expectations and, oh, anyway, I'm going to get side, I go off to get sidetracked. So bring me back, bring me back to where we need to be for this podcast. Oh, it's all good. I love a little side tangent. I'm, I'm the queen of them. 
All right. I wanted to ask you a little bit about birth. So do you see any reoccurring misconceptions that we need to call bullshit on? Oh, that is such a big question. And it's so weighted, right? Because like, this is how I explain it. If I said, okay, everyone from now on has to do their poos at the hospital. (laughs) And so every day you have to go to the hospital to do your poo. And then we go, oh, shit, it's getting really busy and there's too many people that need to do poo, so now we have to time you. And if you don't do your poo in this amount of time, then we're going to give you a drug to speed that up. And now we're getting really concerned that your poos aren't going to come out and they're getting too big for your anus, so we're going to scan your poos. And we're going to give your anus a little bit of a cut to make sure the poo comes out all right. What would pooing feel like? It'd be really fucking scary. You wouldn't want to do it. Now, pooing is a physiological process, something we're just naturally designed to do, biologically designed to be able to do. And this is this can hurt hearing this if you haven't birthed vaginally and spontaneously without intervention, but birth is something we are designed to do. And for the majority of us, we're going to do it pretty epically. It's just that where we choose to birth and who we choose to birth with has fucked that up, right? And so then we blame ourselves. Uh, Just like pooing, birth wasn't designed to be in front of strangers. It wasn't designed to be in a place we've never been before. It wasn't designed to be under bright lights on a bed, right? If you had to sit yourself up on a bed in front of strangers and turn the lights on and be coached to poo, it wouldn't feel good. And that's what we've done to birth. And when I explain it like that, people, people often go, oh, fuck, yeah, okay, I get it. So that's probably the biggest misconception is that we need all these things to birth. And, you know, it's not just the hospital, right? It's everything, it's all this education it's all these appointments that we feel like we have to do so many of us approach birth with a checklist and if we tick it all off then we're going to get the birth that we want and 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 then when it doesn't happen we think we've failed because we're programmed to be good and so we automatically think if we don't get the outcome that we were studying to get then we must have fucked up we must have been naughty it's our fault and that's not the case you know birth is a is a very delicate chemical um balance that we just that so often gets fucked with right so it's a it's a a cocktail of hormones and a very very delicate ingredients list so to speak and so when the lights get turned on, that messes with us. When the strangers walk in the room, that messes with us. Um, and and our heads mess with us. And I've had that experience. I had the, the home birth, the physiological birth that everyone desires, and I still felt ripped off because of my head space, right? And so that's, I mean, I, I sound sick when I say this, but I love birth trauma because every single birth is transformative, no matter how many you have and where you have them and how they turn out. Every single birth is transformative and every single birth deserves a really fucking in-depth debrief because there is so much 
psychologically that ha- is that a word? It is today. Fuck it, it's a word today. <laughs> there is so much that happens in your headspace and your heart space and your body space. And so that needs time to be processed. So the biggest misconceptions are that we have to do all these things. And, and part of that is true, right? Part of that is very true. We do have to do a lot because we've lost so much. So as a culture and as a society, as women, we've lost women's business, we've lost ceremony, we've lost these sacred times around menstruation and pregnancy and birth. So there is so much that we don't know because culturally that's been taken away. We're not involved in birth anymore. We don't hear it. We don't see it. We're not there in the intimate, you know, intimate hours pre and post that we would be if we were living in village life. So there is a huge aspect of, yeah, you do need to know your shit. You also need to know the the system that you're birthing in, right, and and what that can do to you and what you think of it and what you value. So many women value private obstetrics and hospital care, but why? Do you value it from a pathophysiological sense, which means do you value hospitals when you're sick? Because I do. I've been sick. I've needed operations. I love that they're there. I love that I live in Australia and I can access them for free. I don't love them for physiological processes, which birth is. So if I'm a pathophysiological, if I have, if I'm a pregnant woman with pathophysiological needs, right? So I'm unwell. That means that's just a fancy way of saying I'm unwell. Then I value hospitals for those women, but most women are not unwell. And most women become unwell because of the care that they provide. And so we think that hospital birth is the be all and end all when actually it's for most of us, it's the unsafest care model and statistics and evidence back that up now. So it's just not something that I'm passionate about. We have a place of birth study in Australia that proves that, that birth is safest for babies across the board. It's safer for mom having second and subsequent babies in home, not hospital, if she is well. And we have huge studies coming out of the UK and Canada and even America that reflect the same. Uh, it's going to be really interesting looking at covid evidence because so many women chose home birth and all of a sudden home birth was seen as safe which is hilarious because hospitals have always been a place of sickness it's not just during COVID that they became a place of sickness but women wanted to avoid sickness so they started birthing at home it's like no the sickness has always been there right it's always been there uh but I mean that's one of the pros for me it's one of the pros of COVID is that home birth all of a sudden we suddenly became more safe well yeah I mean there was obviously a lot of negatives to COVID but there was definitely a lot of positives that came out of it there's pros and cons out of every situation every situation if that situation helped women see that they can birth from home that's epic yeah and it's not for everyone I'm not here saying everyone should birth at home but when we talk about preparation, you know, this this should be preconception. This should be high school stuff where we learn about this because what often happens is women become pregnant and it's not until either really too late in their first pregnancy or after their first birth that they start getting more information and going, oh, I didn't have to look like that. So um, if you're listening to this now and you're pregnant and you're thinking, ah, 
but I do have free antenatal classes that you can watch um, that cover that cover some of it. And I've got heaps of free content on Instagram that covers a lot too. My how to mentally prepare for birth is cool. Um, a, a video I did on Insta, but you know, we, we think there's this big checklist and then we think that birth is something that gets done to us when it's not, it's something we do more often than not. Cause I don't want to rule out that some women do need cesareans. It's just not as many as we're currently having. Mm, I have to agree. I mean, I had a home birth and, you know, it was amazing and empowering and it's everything I wanted. And uh, I think debriefs are important because even though I didn't have a traumatic birth, there were still things that happened that I'm like, ooh, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. And, you know, the word birth trauma really inhibits people from accessing debriefs because women go, oh, my birth wasn't traumatic or my birth wasn't as bad as her birth but there's always things so this isn't this isn't where you are on the trauma scale and whether you deserve one or not everyone deserves a birth debrief you never ever go through something as emotionally and physically transformative as birth and you take your birth with you till the day you die so it needs it needs space to be heard and to be unpacked. And so often when I care for families, the grandmas or the aunties or whoever's there, their birth birth stories often want to come out during the birth because it's the first chance they've had to feel safe to speak it, but it's not safe to speak your birth at another person's birth. It's also why I don't go to baby showers because once you tell or tell people I'm a midwife because then people just want to unleash and, you know, that's if you need your story heard, you need it heard in a safe space. So mm, Absolutely. All right, let's dive in quickly and talk about our womb, vaginas, vulvas, pelvic floor. I think there's so much shame about talking about our lady bits. Let's demystify our powerful lady parts. What are some things we can do today to understand them more and empower ourselves? I think using correct um, anatomy words, anatomical words, is is really important from with our children. Um and with each other um and you know the fact we still call our vulva our vagina uh in 2022 and most women don't know what a vulva is um we you know I just said we just did an expo my husband was there talking to women about perineal massage and this is good for your vagina and this is good for your vulva and I got a message afterwards from someone that was like at first I was like, oh, my God, this guy's talking to me about my vagina. And then she was like, don't be silly. It's just a body part. Like, get over it. And it was really cool. But that came because my husband held the confidence, right? He wasn't ashamed of it. He was comfortable and confident with it. And so that generates that confidence. And so, you know, there's that saying, but, you know, it's a beautiful saying. It sounds cliche, but be the change you want to see in the world, I talk about my vaginal farts and my prolapse and, you know, hemorrhoids and anal fissures like I talk about what I had for breakfast because, well, 
I don't hold any shame anymore. I did. I did for a very long time. I remember the first time I told my story on Instagram, I cried and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you telling the whole world this? Um, but now that's just my channel. Like I, and I, I'm like, when you're like, oh, there's so much shame. I'm like, oh, is there? Cause that's not my world, right? That's, there is no shame. And people that come to me, talk to me about that stuff. So I don't see that shame. I don't see that hesitation. And I think me holding the confidence around that and not holding any judgment enables others to get rid of it. So the coolest thing we can do is own it and and ask ourselves why that shame is there in the first place and if it serves us and if it serves the women around us. And if it doesn't, can you let it go? Like our thoughts are just thoughts they're totally replaceable so if you think of saying the word vulva is gross you can think that it's not gross as well like so it's it's that confidence um and it, and it's tricky you got to fake it till you make it at the start but really the the only way it's going to change is if we own it and move with it and you'll start to talk about it and then the next person will the next person will like I only use anatomical names. I don't say anything like the business end or down there or I don't even, like I don't say lady parts. I actually hate the term lady because I think so much of being a lady is what fucked us up in the first place, right? Like I, as a little kid I was told cross your legs because that's what ladies do. Crossing your legs is really fucking bad for your pelvic floor, right? Why can my dad and my brothers have their dick and balls out but I can't have my vulva out? Like, why do I have to shut my legs? Good point. You know, and so much of that, so much of being a lady and the stigma and the idea around that, it makes us say, you know, comes up with the, you, you can't say that. You can't, you can't call it a vulva and you can't talk about your periods and you can't talk about your prolapse. Um, you know, so, yeah, just own it. You can talk about your arm and if your neck's sore, why can't you talk about if your vagina's sore? I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't get it. This is why I love your content online so much because I just want people to know that it's okay to talk about that stuff and that we should be talking about that stuff. Like, because in my world, there's still quite a bit of shame around it. Like, I only have these conversations when I'm at the hairdresser or I'm getting my eyebrows done or I'm having a facial and, you know, we don't have conversations in public at the mm. cafe about how, oh, I got scar tissue after I gave birth and I can't have sex because it really fucking hurts and I've got these anal fissures that I've never heard of and when I try to shit it feels like I'm pooping out glass. Like yeah. these conversations only yeah. happen behind closed doors sometimes. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's what we what we make it mean. So we make it mean that we're disgusting or people will think less of us or people other people will be embarrassed. Like so many of us are people pleasers and we want to keep everyone else happy and, um, you know, we don't want to embarrass anyone else. Well, that's their shit. <laughs> like if they don't want to hear it, then they can say, I don't want to hear this. But yeah, I always say, um, I've got a post coming out. It's like, you know, ask, good friends ask their friends how their anuses are. Like, you know, that's really what mat- what um, maternity leave should be, is checking in on each other's parts that have been affected by birth. So your nipples, your uterus, your 
vulva, your bladder, your anus, all of it. Um, you know, if I can, if we can talk about headaches and I feel like headaches was like, you know, the, the secret code of our, of my mom's generation. I don't know how old you are and how old your mom, but it was like, if, if you had a headache, then you had your period. So you had to like talk in code. Right. And so that kind of, when you grow up with that, that's your imprint on how you talk as a woman. So asking yourself, what did you learn around this? What, what did your mum and your aunties talk about? When did they talk about it? Like did your mum only talk about things when she was at the hairdresser and so that's what you do? Like so often what we do is because of what we've learned. Well, what can you learn now? What can you unlearn? What can you teach yourself and what do you want to give the next generation? Like you know, my son knows that I bleed once a month. He knows that when I'm bleeding, I'm not going to have a bath with him because the blood comes out. <laughs> the other day he was like, it's okay, mommy, we'll just wash it down and replace the water. Like I was like, no, nah, mate, I've got boundaries and that's one of them. But, um, you know, it's a normal thing for him. So already at five, talking about periods with women is normal, you know, so if that's not normal for you and your children, it doesn't mean you have to do it. I'm not saying like we've all got to do us, right, and what works for us. So I'm not here saying every one of you needs to talk to your kids about periods. But if you want them to grow up in a world that's more accepting of women's health, then you have to be that change. You have to hold that energy and have those conversations and so you know people like oh but it's gross well is it gross because he he knows that I poo and he knows that I wee he knows that I gave birth he was there why is it gross why do you tell yourself that is that because that's what you've been told it's really about unpacking our stories Mm, like reprogramming ourselves oh yeah it is yeah like I none of this stuff feels solid when you do it it feels when you first start doing it it feels really wobbly and and like what am I doing here is this right um am I gonna fuck my child up because he knows I bleed and so like you know there's that taking a moment to think about it just asking yourself some questions and having some space to really think about it Mm, such good wisdom All right, I've got one more question for you and let's talk about sex. (laughs) Every time I say that, I think about the song. I know, I start dancing too. (laughs) Let's talk about sex, baby. Salt and pepper. Uh, I I just wanted to ask, knowing that you're a midwife and everything that you do, what's with this we can have sex after the six-week mark after giving birth? What's your take on that? I want to know who's saying that. Like, where does that come from? I've never said it as a midwife. So I don't, I don't, I look, so much is tied into that six week mark. And it's so fucked because there is no six week mark. <laughs> like, there just isn't one. Um, and everyone's postpartum looks so different. It came from the fact that you should be back at your pre-pregnant state in terms of where your organs are in your pelvic bowl. But not even that makes sense. Not even that is true. You know, no one owns postpartum. So it's kind of like 
the six-week mark, I guess, you know, part of it is is hormonal. So what's happening with the hormones, they kind of base it on that. But, you know, like obstetricians, like I guess it's kind of been generated from obstetricians and that like final appointment you get around that. I haven't looked into the history. I'm sure there's a really interesting history around the six-week mark. We got taught at uni it's because the uterus goes back to its pre-pregnant state at that time and the, and the hormones are different. I rode those postpartum hormones for like six months, both pregnancy in terms of the high, and then I came crashing down. I actually came crashing down around 10 weeks with Louis off my birth high. It was a lot longer with Banjo. Uh, it was probably six months. Um, but there is no mark. Like I had sex twice in 12 months, my the second postpartum. So if you're listening to this, like it's, there is no libido there. I didn't get my libido back until like a month or two ago. When I start, when I got my period back, I got it back around ovulation and that's about it. Um, oh, and, and when I bleed, I've always been a bit toey when I bleed. I don't know if anyone else, I've never really. Oh, yes, this happens to me sometimes and I'm like, this is so cruel. Yeah, it's weird. I always, yeah, it's almost, I think it's, I reckon it's more psychological. Like you can't have it, but you, you can totally have it, right? You can, you My can. Effort. You can totally have it. Um, but, yeah, look, sex postpartum is so multifactorial. It's how you feel. It's how much sleep you're having. It's how touched out you're feeling. It's how your vagina feels. It's how your anus feels. It's how your clitoris feels, your vulva, what's going on with your tears, what's going on with your scar tissue. If you had a cesarean, how's that? how that's healing? Where are your nipples at? Have you had infections? Have you had thrush? Have you had anal fissures? Are you constipated? No one wants to have sex when they're constipated. Um, you know, there's so much to it. Um, and the discussion around that preconceptionally and pregnancy, and, you know, for some women they don't have sex at all when they're pregnant. Others are really toey, so that affects it too. You know, um, and then so many of us don't have effective communication in our relationships, let alone when they, when we're not having sex, let alone when we're having sex. Um, and so internal release work can be a really cool thing to do with your partner and a really cool thing to have done to yourself to really understand your pelvic bowl and to also develop um just confidence in being able to say that feels good, that doesn't feel good. So like actually doing not just perineal massage but like going in and just seeing what the vagina feels like and what scar tissue feels like. And you can do this alone or you can do it with a partner and um, I'm going to be putting more out on Instagram around that because I think for couples, especially during pregnancy, it can be a really cool thing to connect with each other and do, but we just don't talk about that. Like it's like vaginas and penises are sex only and it's um, what you do as a couple, but you don't do anything clinical. Clinical stuff comes with doctors or um, physiotherapists, but you can actually do clinical stuff with your most safest person um, and, and yeah, and doing that with them can be a really incredible thing for your relationship and for yourself. So um, sex happens when you want it to happen. It doesn't have a timeline. It doesn't have an amount 
of when it happens. It just, it, you know, it's meant to be fun. Um, and if it, you know, I, it does feel like a chore often until um, there is space for it to be fun again. But having conversations around it, like, you know, so many times I've said, I want to have sex with you, but this is what's going on. Like, I love morning sex. I hate evening sex. I'm too fucking tired by that time. Um, morning sex is impossible because we've got two boys jumping around. Like, it's just tricky. And then there's no space in my life right now for spontaneity and creativity. It doesn't mean there won't be. And so having those conversations, like, yeah, I really do want to have sex with you, but you know, it's, and what is sex? Does it have to always be the penis into the vagina or do, you know, does it always have to be orgasm? Um, what can it look like? What can intimacy look like? So, I mean, yeah, that's a whole like six hour podcast, right? Like sex postpartum. Oh, 1000%. I mean, I think it's important that you mentioned that sex after postpartum doesn't have to be penis, vagina, penetrating. Like mm. sometimes you might really feel like you want to have sex, but you're both so exhausted and your body just feels dead and you just can't. So sometimes having a cuddle on the couch is just an epic way to connect. Yeah, it could, it can be, you know, connection is key um, around anything, whether it's trying to get back into sex or trying to resolve um, quarrels that you're having. Um, You know, I always say if you want to have a big discussion with your partner about something, having having time to connect first. So saying, hey, do you want to go for a walk or do you want to play a board game or do you want to play a card game or do you want to listen to this podcast together or something like that. We actually get to connect first. So, right, you know, and I think so many of us are like, right, we have to have sex. So we go straight for that. It's like, okay, what do you need first? Do you need some connection? Do you need to sit and just hold hands? Do you need to just look into each other's eyes? Do you need to um, share a meal together that's warm and not interrupted and where you get to have conversations? Um, Do you get to, you know, maybe go for a walk and hold hands? There is so much more than just sex Um, and, yeah, what that looks like. The other thing, you know, is never underestimate the power of the clitoris. It's got so many nerve endings. And if it's if you're receptive to pleasure, which we're not always, um, then that's a good place to start. And investing in a good sex toy um, can be uh, a really nice thing to do. And you can actually just go it alone until you feel comfortable to go with yourself. You know, I've talked about this on other podcasts too. Like masturbation is so taboo for women and not for men, and so. Um, again, what are your stories around that and looking into that as well? Mm, unpacking it all, unpacking all of that stuff. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to me about all of these topics. It means so much to me, but I know that mamas everywhere are going to be so grateful. So thank you for all that you do. And thank you for always being so real and honest. You are really helping to change the culture around the mother myth and yeah, just the way you share your journey online. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that epic chat. I know I did. So make sure you talk about the real shit with your friends, okay? It's important to help others feel not so alone on these topics. Uh, if you want to connect with B, you can find her at Core and Floor Restore on Instagram. If any of the Tired Mummy podcast episodes resonated with you, and you would like to support the Tired Mummy podcast, please head to patreon.com forward slash the Tired Mummy podcast or visit the link in the show notes. Your support helps me keep the podcast going. Thanks so much for your support and the love on every episode I produce. If you'd like to follow my journey, you can follow me over on Instagram under the Tired Mummy podcast. So much love to you all. Until next time, this Tired Mummy is signing out. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.